Hey everyone, today's episode is going to be a special one. When I was thinking of potential guests for the show, I kept returning to the idea that it might be a really fun opportunity to use it as a means to reconnect with someone in my past that I haven't had a deep conversation with in some time. And I thought of my brother, who as you will see in this episode has led nothing short of an interesting life. That being said, I hadn't really talked to him beyond superficially about his experiences, and I certainly had not asked him about what some of the lessons were that he has learned in his crazy journey to Japanese Zen monasteries and how that might possibly be translated back to living in the Western world. Corey and I have shared so much in this life, and I've loved being a part of his odyssey, but it was both eye and heart opening for me to get a chance to sit down and talk to him about the wisdom he has gained throughout his trials and tribulations. Some specific highlights include his discussion of how to get over the struggles of meditation. Pretty much everywhere you look these days, you hear about the benefits of mindfulness. But many people that I talk to have tried and pretty much quickly given up on meditation. Here's your chance to learn from a guy who says he has been through meditation gunfights. Corey also really talks about some of his mentors and how valuable it is to attach yourself to someone that inspires you. Above all, I think Corey's lesson is one of patience and passion. Many that know him have wondered at times what he was doing with himself and where he was going. Let's be honest, it's easy to get caught up in the normalcy of life expectations, but not everyone has the dream to be a doctor or a lawyer, and who are we to stand in the way of anyone's search for an outlet to their intensity, to put out the fire that burns inside them? I've recently been enthralled by the solo and unaided journey of Colin O'Brady across the length of Antarctica. No doubt, to most sensible humans, this seems crazy and you couldn't pay them enough to even give it a shot, but many, many people have been inspired by this adventure. There is danger in making these sorts of grandiose comparisons, but bear with me. I believe we can all find lessons from people who are willing to blaze their own trails, people like Colin O'Brady and people like my brother, who you look at now and you see a great father, husband, citizen, and perhaps most of all, a teacher that uh, that just might inspire you to tune out some of the ubiquitous and often overwhelming outside influences of our lives, and instead, take the time to look inward and to trust your heart and mind to take you where you belong. It has done just that for me. After listening to our chat, even if you aren't in a hurry to rush out and join a monastery, I hope you get a lesson or two out of the discussion. And if nothing else, it encourages you to reach out to your loved ones in an effort to better understand them and reinforce the kind of special bond that can be shared by those closest to you. And forgive the background noise that is heard throughout this. We did this chat in person, and I hope that the intimate nature of it makes up for some of the light traffic winding through the Woodby Island roads at the time. So here we go with episode two of the Hess's Heroes podcast with the Jedi Master, Corey Hess. So, hey, brother, you have led a really interesting life. I think there were times that you were seeking your way and and figuring out what you wanted to do with yourself. It led you to some places like Tallahassee, Florida, which maybe you didn't love so much. It led you to Missoula, Montana, and it led you to Whidbey Island, and it led you to Japan. Where were you at when you were at that early stage in your life, 18, I know you probably have a hard time even remembering that person, but um, what what uh, were you looking for at that time? And what about that journey helped you find something that uh, really meant something deep down inside you? I think there was a part of me that knew there was some kind of freedom I was looking for in life. And yet in my daily life, I just didn't really feel comfortable in my skin. It's like my relationship with reality was somehow at odds with what I knew to be true. And um, so I I went and did a lot of things, a lot of, I did some traveling, I did some extreme sports, I tried to be Jack Kerouac, like you said. 
I think I think that somehow, you know, I want to talk about karma. Somehow, my karma was to come upon uh, Zen, and um, and then once I became involved in Zen, I felt like I was being, I felt led by the universe. I felt led by something greater, and so I wasn't I wasn't um, searching in the same sort of way after that. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even have a way to fathom that. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I've, I had a really interesting conversation with one of my friends who's a, a theologian once, and I was under the misunderstanding that every person who was interested in theology or studied it was a monotheist. Right. Um, but it turns out that this guy, who's a, actually a Lutheran minister, yeah. is a pantheist, right? He right. believes that right. God is nature. Right. I was kind of like blown away by that but that you know I mean, we, we, we've certainly had our times thinking about things like the force you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. and believe like you know like wanting to believe in something like that yeah but what do you think the value is i mean even if people don't necessarily believe in that of of the zen sort of way like i think in general you know i practice meditation quite a bit now and we joke about this a lot because I hear a lot of people talk about it and they say, well, I gave up on meditation because I didn't think I was doing it well. And to me, I've tried to get over that because I still don't think I am like nailing it, right? I mean, I feel like it's something that I do. I never feel like I'm excelling at it, right? Like I'm doing a good job. And maybe, maybe you can help me figure out ways to improve on it. But I still feel like it's valuable, right? And it, it, it does things to me that make me more patient to make me more focused, to make me more in in the moment. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily describe that as like being in touch with nature. Is that an individualistic thing or are there different ways to do it for people? I mean, what's your best recommendation for people to yeah. define that sort of thing? Well, I would, I would definitely say that if, please question all uh, dogma that anybody throws at you. And I think that's really super important. Uh, for me, Zen was sort of this radical, irreverent, um, rebellious practice where um, you didn't have to believe anything. And for me, I, I met this teacher, and um, I felt like he was the biggest badass that I would ever meet in my life. And um, he had this power about him that I was completely shocked by. So rather than me believing in any kind of ideology, I just saw, oh, this is like someone who was really something to teach. Right. Well, and this is this is funny, right? Because I, I remember, you know, when you sort of started to do that thinking like almost like samurai type stuff. But a lot of people think of Zen and they think of it as like the Buddhist way where you right. like almost become passive right, right, to right. a to the nth degree, right. right? To the point of like to be Zen you have to let it go and to the point where like you lose your edge. But I think it's pretty clear from you that this is not like something where you're just like becoming completely limp-wristed, right? right? You're like, it's a right. it's a way to focus your energy in a, right. a way that right. that empowers you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the idea of letting go can be confusing or, you know, being this sort of observer of things when, when you're not really involved in them. For me, living with a, a Roshi was seeing someone and uh, learning to do everything completely. You know, there's a saying that you burn yourself up in whatever you're doing completely. And in that, where you were scattered about what you wanted to be, what you wanted to do, when you can learn to bring yourself into oneness with what you're doing, 
I want to get to the music metaphor later because you're a musician, but burning yourself up in what you're doing completely, um, there's a letting go in that, which is different than the letting go where you're, you're not really involved. So you're, you're, you're sweeping and you're sweeping with like 100%. And there's within that, there's a way in which all of your energy goes in one direction. And you, something in you start to clarify. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think about my time in Japan, which was much shorter than the years. Yeah. I just went to this you know, one meeting and, and spent some time there. And I, I remember that in general, the people there doing everything, every job that was being done was done with full effort. Yeah. Like nobody was nobody was going through the motions on anything like that. And I think that's something that in the Western world we do with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like we do almost all the time yeah. we're doing we're going yeah. through the motions on things. And it, do you think that your practice has made you better at doing everything in a way that is more complete? Yeah, absolutely. There was a part of me, I think growing up that, you know, I was trying to go one direction and part of me was trying to go the other direction and so I, I didn't really know how to go forward how do I go become this thing I want to do when half of me is going the other way and uh, the training for me took that and it it was like I realized oh I'm walking against this river right now how is it that I'm there's a river going through me right now and I am going the opposite direction you know so you sort of feel like you're imploding all the time the training really showed me internally, experientially, how to get into the flow of what I was doing. How long did that take? And like, what would you recommend? Because like you spent years there, yeah, right. right? Like you really dedicated your life to this yeah. for a time. I think a lot of people yeah. are interested in that end goal. Yeah, right. I'm 42 years old. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to Japan and leaving my family behind. Yeah. I, want to, I want to achieve some of that. Yeah, and right. I think I try to do it with, with my little practice. Yeah. But yeah. like... I think a lot of people would benefit from thinking about how they could do that on a, a more tractable scale because yeah. I, I absolutely think you're right. There are a lot of people out there that they're, especially today with the distractions in our lives, right. that they're parenting, right. but they're, you know, they're checking Facebook. Yeah, right, right. So they're really, they're really not doing anything. Yeah. They're not focused on anything completely. They're yeah. focused on nothing, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're so spread. Their yeah. attention is so spread. Yeah. And this is something that I worry about a lot. I, in terms of our ability to tune that stuff out. I was having lunch with a friend today and we were discussing this kind of thing. And I said, you know, if you got up and went to the bathroom, the first thing I would do would grab my phone and, and check something, check my email or something like that. I want to get away from that. Do you think that the, this sort of training can help us become better at, at those types of things, avoiding the distractions? Yeah, uh, I think that definitely. You know, um, part of what's going on, I think, is that <clears throat> and part of the problem that people have with meditation is that, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're thinking, I'm not good at this. I'm, um, I'm not doing this right. I um, wish I was doing this the right way. Um, I suck at this. Most people give up. Most people give up. And that in... in in, in, in Zen, we call that mozo. So this is extraneous thinking. And it's, it's, it's similar to, okay, you're walking along and you see someone, like, making these flower arranging, beautiful flowers, okay? And you, say that, you see that and you say, oh, that's really beautiful. And, and then that's fine. 
That's really beautiful. But then what you do is you start to say, I wish I could make flowers or read you. It's so beautiful. I'm, I really suck at that. I'm a piece of shit. You know, I, I you know, and that's Mozo. And so, um, part of what I think, you know, the training is about and meditation is about is partly while we're sitting, we get engaged in what we're doing completely. Okay. We're sitting completely and something starts to happen through our physical body. Okay. An energetic process starts to happen. Okay. And where it used to be that our thoughts were really, really powerful. Okay. And then there was this something that's trying to happen through our body. Focus, doing what we're doing completely, okay? As we do this more, as we, as we get to doing just what we're doing, the thoughts lose some of that uh, grip. They lose some of that magnetism. They lose some of that power. And so that way we're able to do more of what we're doing completely just because the thoughts aren't ruling the whole show quite as strong. It's not that we aren't, we can't think. That's not it at all. But it's just that they're not ruling everything at all times and out of control, right? So the meditation makes it so that you are able to do what you're doing completely and the thoughts aren't quite as powerful. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I mean, I think there's some interesting things there with like comparing yourself to others. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> something that we probably should do a lot less of. Oh, but yeah, it's it it is a it is really a challenge I think, and for me, yeah. like uh, there's days when I when I just can't make the thoughts go away. Oh yeah, right. but I've I, but I think I've like I mean maybe I've just gotten better at like not beating myself up about that, oh, and that seems like that's a huge yeah. step in yeah. the process, right? That's like yeah. a big step. Um, you, so you mentioned the Roshi. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I ask in these uh, conversations because it's about inspiring people yeah. is almost everybody that's inspiring and you yeah. know like we're, we're having you on here because I think you've you've done some things that you know make you a hero to me yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but you know that that comes mostly because you have you've been inspired by other people yeah. and I, I mean I, I mean I, I told you I was going to ask about yeah, who yeah. you were inspired by and I knew who you would say yeah, yeah. and I've met the Roshi and I, yeah. there's an absolute unbelievable energy about that yeah. guy yeah. Tell us a little bit more about like what, like about him and like about what he has meant to you. Um, That's a big question. Yeah. Well, you know, it was just like meeting Yoda. You know, I was, I was, it really was like meeting Yoda for me, and I really needed that. And and again, back back to your earlier question, I was super intense person, and I really needed a way to engage and work with that. So like someone like, like maybe like you, maybe a little healthier at that age, maybe someone else, they don't need to go to some crazy monastery and like devote 24 hours a day to something. So that's okay. People don't need to do that. Yeah, and you told me that at the yeah. time. I remember we discussed this. Right. And you said this isn't something you need, no. but it was something right. that, that right. you felt you needed. Right. Um, you know, the Roshi was... Um, you know, they call him a nuclear reactor of Zen. He was, he's, he is uh, just a, a, an energetic um, maniac. And uh, I felt like being with the Roshi, that I could do anything and say anything and be anything and it would not phase him. And that was exactly what I needed at that point. 
and uh, I was I was really looking for for a way to really dive into my own process, and the Roshi was this huge vessel that could um, kind of I felt like I could go in and I could work on this stuff for a long, long time with him, and I I there was a part of me that was just really super. Um, you know, keen to dive into this whole process. And I needed that, and he was this perfect person to do it with. And it was, a, you know, the, the training is super intense. I really love that. It was a great fit for me at the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, tell us, I mean, I don't think everybody appreciates, like, what you were going through at that. Like, walk us through a, a general day. A day. Um, so once a, once a month, there's a week where you just sit all day. For like 16 hours you're sitting in meditation and i want to get back to like how hard that is on your body i mean and and like some yeah. of the things that you would recommend because you've, yeah. you've you've managed to take that training and bring it back into a really yeah. neat way that yeah ties together with yeah. this body type stuff that we'll get to in about yeah finish your day story um so when that's not the case when it's a day that's just normal a normal day you get up I used to get up at 3.20. Get up, and you, um, you know, you, you usually swear or something, you know. Because you're not happy about getting up that early. It's dark. It's cold. You have the sleeping bag that you're sleeping on outside, you know. Um, and um, then you leap up, and you, um, you know, get dressed, and uh, you, you know, brush your teeth. And then you run to the to the hondo and you chant uh, really fast and really loud for like an hour. And then um, you go and you see the Roshi. Um, you go back to the Zendo where you do meditation and you, you everyone runs as fast as they can up to see the Roshi individually. And the whole life in the monastery is about seeing the Roshi. And you go in and uh, you have this, uh, what's called Sanzen, and it's like a... It's like a gunfight that you lose every time. Okay, but your whole life is about when I'm going to see the Roshi next. Okay. Um, so you see him, and then you go back to the Zendo, and you sit until 7. 7 o'clock. This is when I was there. I think it's changed slightly. But um, at 7 o'clock was uh, breakfast. So you go up to the kitchen, and you have breakfast. Uh, chanting and, and eating and then you immediately go and you know I think when I was there we had a little little break where we'd go like you know drink tea or some of us would drink coffee or um, try to you know we, we just had brown rice and miso soup so some of us would eat like some fun like you know what like, was fun like uh, you know some kind of stupid crackers or you know chocolate or something you know it's a little bit like prison like chocolate's like currency you know what I mean so so then, then you go and you work until, uh, I think it was one. You work outside until one. Especially when you're first there, you go and you work physically outside. Like that could be carrying logs down the mountain, could be sweeping, could be raking, could be building a fire for the bath. Everyone takes a bath every day. Um, so you work until one, I think, yeah. Then lunch is at one. And then... For me, after that, I think we had a little break, and then you would sit again from five, five o'clock, and then at seven o'clock you'd go see the Roshi again for an interview, and then we'd sit until nine, 
And then after that, you're expected to go out and sit on your own. And I would usually go out and sit until about like 11, maybe. Then you go to bed and you, you get up and do the same thing the next day. Um, and um, at first, it's really hard. It's super hard at first. Like, you first, you're just doing the schedule. You're just like figuring out how to like bow when you're supposed to bow. And, you know, you're just, you're just basically surviving at first. And for me, for about a year, I was just on the edge, just barely surviving. And, uh, um, but there was a part of me that was really thriving too because I loved the intensity of it. It was just um, uh, like the most intense experience, training, feeling I felt I could have. And I just loved that. I really wanted it. Um, and uh, I feel like in some ways I went a little bit crazy for you know a couple of years because you're really going into your stuff. It's like you're in this... Um, cooker this pressure cooker this oven and all your stuff starts to come to the surface and um i remember one time i came home and uh the roshi was like be careful going home you know and, uh, and basically you're in the middle of open heart surgery emotional open heart surgery so i came home and i was like you know i was all over the place so um you're going through a lot I remember being coming back and being what I would call kind of raw. Kind of raw, yeah. yeah. You know, for sure. I was super raw for about, uh, going on for about two and a half years or something. Yeah, because the perception is that you were going to come back, like from us, the perception is going to, you would come back and be like, this like, like serene monk. Yeah, right, right. Well, mannered. Well, right. Yeah, you came back and you were like a firebrand. Firebrand, right. You're like, you're burning too hot. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, you know, the metaphor in the monastery is like, you're like potatoes in a, in a soup pot and you just, you know, you bump against each other until all the skin's gone. That's a monastery, hmm. you know? And, uh, and so, uh, but after about, I, I had lots of experiences there. And after three years I had, I had a big change. And, uh, and I would say at that point, like all those questions that I had growing up, um, those all basically went away. Like all these, these issues with my, um, you know, my, my big questions about life, big uh, frustration about uh, my place in the world, all that kind of shifted in a big way. Um, but it took a like serious, serious soul searching. Um, and I, I want to say again about the, about the Roshi, for me, um, he was like, if he was an auto mechanic, or a Sufi master, or a Christian, you know, uh, contemplative, you know, priest, I would have gone with, with him. But it was, that was the guy that was, I felt like was the biggest badass. So I felt like that's why I went, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, it was, you, you could see it right away. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember I had tea with him that yeah. one time. I was like, wow, this guy's got a presence. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely intense. So the the reality is, so we, we kind of alluded to this, but the reality is that like people are not going to go do that. But I think there's value in, in even like making an effort on this front, right? Yeah. So like if you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've like tried Headspace a couple times and yeah. given up, yeah. um, what would you recommend for people to, to do? I mean, yeah. what, what, what's going to get them? Because there is this like, there's like this barrier that people can't, a lot of people can't get over. Yeah. And like I said, I, I mean, I would say that I, I maybe gotten to kind of the next level because I do it every day still. Yeah. 
But I still would say that I don't feel like I'm that good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, yeah. what do you recommend for people to try to to get past those hurdles? Um, because they're not going to go. They're not. Yeah. They're not going to the no. monastery, right? No. And most people shouldn't. You know. I think it's. I think if possible, it's really nice to sit with the group. Yep. Sit with the group, and you got to find the right one because some you're going to be like, this is. There's something really cool going on here, and some you're going to like want to crawl out of your skin and want to vomit while you're there because I've been there. And, and that's, that's, that's very true because there's a certain flavor that works for you. This is all an individual process. And, um, that's the beauty of, I think this kind of thing is that, you know, again, everyone is sitting differently. Everyone in the Zendo, everyone in the meditation hall is sitting slightly differently. Everyone has a different internal process. And I think, you know, one of the main things is to, is while you sit, Sit there for a certain amount of time and getting your body accustomed to doing this sitting, I think it's really nice to be able to try to go into some kind of half lotus or some kind of meditation posture. If you can, if you can't, that's okay. But trying to get into something, your body then starts to process energy in a different way. And then it becomes this thing where you sit down and your body starts to do something that uh, it starts to go and it starts to happen on its own. And so it's a, it's a body memory thing that starts to happen. And then I would say, like, sitting for that amount of time, that's your time, it's your journey to explore. It's a laboratory. It's this beautiful laboratory where you can, you know, something's going to work this time and then the opposite's going to work the next time. I mean, I have a lot of, you know, thoughts on all that, you know, Sometimes you're going to feel like you have this energy bubbling up through you, and sometimes you're going to not feel that, and it's going to be that you feel the room in a different way. It's, there's a lot to that. But, you know, this is your own process. It's your own time, and everyone does it differently. And that's so incredibly beautiful, actually. But to try to sit without, try to give up this idea of good and bad, try to give up, you know, this idea of um, I'm going to kill my thoughts, trying to like take my thoughts and kill them or something, you know, that's just going to make them stronger. You sit, you feel your body. And I always talk about there's something that's trying to happen. There's something that's trying to move through us. And it's not going to be linear. It's not going to be something we can necessarily understand. But something will start to happen through us and we'll kind of be shocked by it. Oh my God, what's, something's happening here. I don't, I don't even know what it is, but and just, just exploring that, just going deeper into that. And then it becomes your own process. It's not somebody else's ideas, not somebody else's technique. There's so many techniques out there. But Do you have like specific recommendations like how often to try this or like how long? You know, I think if you can do, if you could sit for 20 minutes a day, that's like fantastic. Yeah, I do 15. 15, 15 minutes 15 a day is great. 15 minutes in the morning. It's I the first thing I do after I get up. I think... One thing I would recommend is sometimes it's nice to move a little bit beforehand. Okay. Because if we're, like, for, for me, the, the Zen world is very much about key, okay, about energy, right? Mm -hmm. And if, you're, if you just woke up, sometimes your key is just a little bit, like, stagnant. Okay. Well, the first thing I do in the morning is give the cats a couple of treats because they won't yeah. leave me alone. Right. <laughs> crazy I think move around a little bit, sure. and then there's a little momentum to your system. And then there's something to do. And first when you're, again, I'm just going to hammer this out, but first when we're sitting, 
we're kind of wondering what are all these people doing what are they doing actually and after you do it for more and more longer and longer you you, you sit down and there's something you're doing it's something that's happening and you're following that it's a process it's uh um, you're doing something at a certain point okay and and that's that there's an alchemy to that and uh but just sitting in the position your body will start to go through a, a little cellular transformation so um that, that that makes me think of uh you know i, I took a look at your blog yeah. and we'll, we'll let everybody know yeah. about your blog at the end make sure that they have a way to to read up on some of the stuff that you your thoughts yeah. but I, there's a there's an interesting uh, one in there about um, the standing meditation. What is yeah. it? Non-directed standing. Non-directed meditation? body movement. Yeah, um, and I mean, you sound like that was one of your trigger points, right? I mean, I think in the blog you talk about seeing that in Missoula, which was yeah. a pretty transformative time yeah. in your life. Yeah. And so, like, is that something that, like, uh, that other people should give a shot, or is, like, is that complementary to the sitting, or is it, you know, how how does that all fit together? Explain it a little bit, yeah, I think, right. and then. Um, and then talk about how it might all fit together. Well, um, the non-directed body movement, I, I started when I was in Missoula. In, I think it was in college. I think I, maybe I was yeah, still in college, I think, at that point. And, um, and it was just, you know, we all, it was like maybe, I can't remember how many, 20, 20 people stood in this room. And uh, the idea is just that you stand there and uh, you let your body uh, naturally uh, start to process and through old trauma. So, and the idea is that your body will naturally um, begin to work something out, which has been uh, often the, the deal with, with trauma in the body is it's, it's sort of halfway processed through our body. So we're in this holding pattern that we don't know we're in. Like, you know, whatever. Somebody told us, you know, don't speak up. You know, don't, don't say what you think, right? So we hold our diaphragm for the rest of our life, right? So we're and most people don't even breathe right. the right way right. and everything like that because right. they're like it's, their bodies are just not right being natural. Right. So so anyway, so the idea is to just stand there, okay, and not think, oh, I should be standing this way, okay, which is what we want to do. We want to, oh, I'm gonna stand this way. That's the right way. But to instead let the movement maybe will start to emerge out of your body from a place maybe subconscious, unconscious, the movement, a movement might begin to manifest out of your body. Maybe your arm will start to move a little bit for some weird reason. And to not let that little voice in the head say, stop, go back to standing right, you know. And, and in doing that, it's very, uh, it's not a mental thing. Right, so you start to something starts to happen, and you're just kind of like, "Whoa!" It's almost in spite of you at times. Why is that happening? I wish that wasn't happening, but something will start to unwind, and that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Like maybe there's some trauma in there that we didn't know was there, and it's uh, it's a little scary. But to just for a certain time set the timer and let the body naturally unwind, and it's with its own kind of power. Okay, and for me, yeah, I took that and I did that every day in the little bit of free time at Soganji in Japan. And for me, it was, they were sort of like this yin-yang of my practice. Like you're sitting this formal, 
sitting in, in the zendo um, where I was trying to sit right and you have good posture and um, you know you're trying to sit in lotus or full lotus or at first I couldn't do any of that you know I was just sitting with my my knees basically killing me but um, you know over time uh, as my body started I started to get more and more into my own body my own process that those practices they started to merge for me mm. and then it started to be that oh my sitting became more and more guided by my own internal process uh, kind of coming to fruition and, and fulfilling blossoming out what needed to be worked out yeah so I'm, I'm curious you yeah. know, on the on the thinking part of it because yeah. you're, you're really letting yourself just your your body just do whatever yeah. comes naturally in this are you also simultaneously doing what you would typically do in a meditation where you're trying to let your thoughts go I think what's nice about the standing is that you could just say I can think anything I want right okay now. And, and I think that's really good because um, we really have a I think we really have this want to sort of stop those thoughts and that can make us really busy so like that can make our thoughts way more busy by trying to stop them right and so with the standing the fighting against the them. fighting against them makes them more powerful okay and so with the standing it being this like you don't have to think anything you don't have to worry about what you're thinking at all then you start to get into this process and then it's like oh actually my thoughts are um they're happening but it doesn't really matter this whole thing this whole process is happening in spite of these thoughts so how does that work? i mean i think we want i want to get into this please yeah um for that standing, that non-directed type yep, stuff, yep. I think so much, like, I worry that, like, yeah. me personally, because I sit at a desk yeah, too yeah. darn much, my body would just fall into that, like, um, that sort of hunched over, yeah. sort of, like, what I what I actually know is, like, terrible for me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right when my shoulders are slumped, yeah. and that's why, I, you know, I don't have as good an internal rotation in my shoulders, which I, I'm working on a lot, um, but, like, is that... Ultimately, can that like help get rid of that, or are you just gonna? Because that that has now, I think, unfortunately, become like my my default. Yeah. Even though that that's not the healthiest, yeah, like baseline or like yeah. balance point or whatever you want to call it. Right? I think that absolutely that. Um, okay, let me just back up a little. Sure. When people, okay, this is an example of just what you're saying. Like people who come to the monastery at first, when they come and they they sit zazen. Everybody looks really good. They all look like, dang, they're sitting so nice. They're so, they got this great vertical posture. They're just little light bulbs sitting there, you know. And then after like a month, they look like shit. They're like falling over. And they're, and, and there's a part of them that's like, you know, they just can't hold up this thing anymore. This like good thing. And so they get exhausted or they get like, um, you know, they quit, they quit trying to, to put up whatever they're trying to put up. And so they, they kind of, you see them, they're kind of, their posture gets kind of, uh, you know, gets kind of dropped. And then you see them maybe a month later and their posture has organically emerged in this beautiful, better, healthier posture. And so I completely 1000% believe that the body is trying to do this and the body wants to have good posture, good organic posture. The standing for me, you know, excuse me, the standing showed me that 
the body was all trying to do it if I would let it. So I would go into something really weird, some weird posture. Like I, you, you can even lay on the floor. You can end up on the floor in the fetal position. And then, you know, if you do that for long enough, it's maybe good to stand up or something. But the way to check is that if you go back on the floor again, maybe you need to be on the floor. But, you know, there may be an aspect where you go down in this reposition and then something emerges. Like, it's like your body was trying to have a way to work something out and then it would come up into a better posture than the one we top down would want to say this is a good one. So it's, a, it's obviously like a real dance, you know? It's a dance of like, how do I push on this? How do I pull on it? How do I explore it? But I think that the body is naturally really, really trying to have this beautiful posture. And so it's interesting, you kind of have to go through like a, a, like a, a negative period to reemerge. Often. Often. Like uh, better than you were in the beginning. So I, I, this is a pretty good segue. Yeah. So you know, you came back from Japan. Yeah. yeah. And you had all this training, and in, you had helped yourself in yeah. many ways. In a, in a way, and I, I mean, I you know, like as a not so biased external advisor, I guess, <laughs> brother. Um, I remember that time that you had come back and you were like raw. Yeah. And then I remember you coming back when you finally came back, and you were like you were more like what I had expected, right? And like, you have this serenity about you. And I think now even like, you're like, like, you know, you've embraced parenthood. You're a really good dad. And that sort of thing is like, like it it clearly was a change for the better. Right. And so I think it's really interesting. Like, and you've learned all this stuff about your body. And I I think what I would like to chat about a little bit now is what you do in your day job now with helping people find ways not necessarily through the meditation but like you have this ability to help them not fix their bodies but like realize some things about their body that they didn't know or so tell us about what you're doing now and then i think what we'd like to what i'd like to do toward the end is is really think about like we try to be you know it's a cheese ball thing like i try to think brass tacks like what are the few things like yeah what should people be doing with their bodies generally? Because yeah. you know a lot about this yeah. to just like lead a healthier life. Right, right, so, right. so talk about the the rolfing stuff a little bit and how you got there. Yeah. And so what that what you do with people to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Be better. Well, first off, when I was in Missoula, and I did the non-directed body movement, the person who led that was a rolfer. Her name's Marilyn Beach, and she's a, a really dear friend and mentor, and I really think the world of her. Um, and what I saw from the, the rolfers and the work I do is called structural integration, um, is that they were really thinking out of the box in this really interesting way. And so, oh, they're thinking about healing, they're thinking about the body, but they're also pretty creative thinkers. I was really impressed by what I saw with Marilyn. And um, and so going to Japan, I kind of dove into my own internal healing journey, okay? And then I came back and I was like, okay, how can I, what it, I was ordained at a certain point and I thought this is the perfect medium for me to express that some like bozo who like likes sports and girls can completely uh, transform, okay? Which was which was me, you know. 
the getting ordained was like this way to like say that to the world. And so when I came back from Japan, I was looking for like, how can I find a medium that would be uh, somehow helpful to express some of that to the world? And it took me a while. I was I was kind of working on it for a while, and uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I thought I might be doing some lectures or something. <laughs> I don't know, but um, so I ended up going into uh, structural integration, and um, mostly what I do is, you know, aside from helping people with their sciatica, you know, people come in and they have sciatic pain. Okay, I help a lot of people with that. Help people with postural issues. Help people with. Um, you know, any kind of pain uh, that's going on in their body. Uh, the idea behind Dr. Ida P. Rolf's uh, vision was that if you get the body in more harmony with gravity, then certain issues will take care of themselves. Okay, and so uh, the idea behind structural integration is that gravity, harmony with gravity. And, um, but, you know, for me, it's a, it's a medium for me to, for one, like, deeply... Uh, kind of communicate with people through touch and also in some ways I'm really just a meditation teacher I'm really just like transmitting to them that they like that they can heal that uh, people can get into their own bodies and they can feel their bodies they can feel these holding patterns that we're all in and they can by getting in touch with that they will process out and that is the main thing I'm doing is I'm really helping people to uh, get in touch with their own process and their own bodies. And I think when we do that, really miraculous things happen in terms of, you know, healing and daily lives, all that. Yeah. And so I, I think, I mean, that most of us don't want to have to get to the point of needing yeah, that. Right. So, I, you know, I think you understand a lot of, of what, like this... Like it all kind of has this really nice synergy. What you've learned in Japan, what you do now, and I, you know, like I think it would be fun for you to just like think about like if in today's age we do a lot of things that are bad for our bodies, yeah. right? I mean, we eat stuff we probably shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some, like a few things that you would say that would be like good for people's body and good for people's you know quote unquote soul? Yeah. Like, what should people be doing? Like, yeah. like if you said. Look, you're not you're you're not in a good place. Here's some yeah. things that you should do that'll make you feel better. I mean, I really feel like doing some kind of stillness practice is really important. Yeah, and I think you know, like uh, just about everybody that talks about any sort of personal improvement, yes, suggests that that's true. So I mean, this that's not something new, and I certainly, yeah, absolutely. Like when I first became a dad, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a I'm not an impatient person. I'm not a, I'm a pretty even keel guy. But I mean, those kids can like they can push your buttons, oh right? I mean, we, we can go back to the, our childhood. <laughs> Nobody pushed my buttons more than you did when we were kids, right? But that practice, yeah, like creates a buffer for me, right? On how quickly I get impatient with my son. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty good dad these yes. days, but it's because I think a lot of it's because. Like he'll do something that like drives me a little crazy, yeah, and I can sort of just easily yeah, calm right, myself. Right. But I, that wasn't the case when I, right. when he was first born. Like, right. I, weird things drove me nuts. Yeah, right, right, right. right. So definitely some level of stillness, meditation yeah. practice. What other things should people be doing? Well, 
just one just to back up on that one sure. more time is that the reason part of the reason for the stillness practice is that you can't figure out what's going on otherwise you just got too much going on again your distraction you know you know talking about distraction there's too much stimulation happening in general i mean i think there was too much stimulation happening in the 50s you know what i mean there's more now but i think no matter what there was a lot of stimulation happening and the 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 stillness practice is just a very very simple simple way to be able to try to look at what's going on internally without a lot of stimulation well yeah and so in the the last one before this nelson and i talked a little bit about giving yourself some time to be bored yeah Yeah. right i mean and and it's bored the the this the particular reason there was because it allowed for some creative opportunities right because like when we were kids yeah like we didn't have devices all the time we had to like figure out how to play right so that allowed some creative thing but i think what you're saying is this also allows some internal reflection that's really yes not often happening yes because yeah yeah i mean like you know if we were just hanging out and and uh there was a pause in the conversation what do people do they grab their cell phone they look up facebook yeah maybe you should (laughs) maybe that's just an opportunity to to like internalize yourself for a second and say yeah here's how i can make this current experience better Yeah, yeah 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 um i think um one big thing that I always try to tell my clients is uh, that they should do movement that they really enjoy and uh, movement that is uh, spontaneous and movement that is sort of diverse. So I think it's great to have a gym practice, go to the gym, do your thing. But I think it's almost more valuable to do movement, which, you know, maybe dance or something that's something you're not going to anticipate, something that is a little bit off the wall, you know. Um, there's a whole idea of, of appendiculation, this idea that, like, say a tiger wakes up and it stretches, right? But it's not thinking, I really need to stretch out my back right now. This this movement emerges from the, the, the internal, you know, whatever, process of the tiger. So... For us, I think we need more and more of that, where the body is expressing itself, um, and it's not just this top-down idea of we need to move like this. And I think there's a really great power and freedom in uh, creative, spontaneous movement. I think joyous movement. You know, a lot of my clients, it's like they are in pain, and if they move, it hurts. Okay, right. and so I try to tell them if you could do anything that you know, feels good, any kind of movement that feels good to do that and to dive more and more into that and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, they do all these studies. Recently, I saw some study like it said arthritis is, uh, it's more a, a an issue of, of not moving than anything else, right? And so, you know, if we can do any kind of movement, that creates more movement. Uh, well, right. Now, I think it's a really interesting point because I have... Like I got to this point where I was weightlifting and I was yeah. doing some some uh, body weight stuff, high yeah. intensity stuff, and then I started to do this. It was kind of something that like you planted the seed in my mind, you know, like doing these crazy movements, like monkey and yeah, right. frogger and whatnot. And I tried to do like I was over, I was at the park and I tried to do the monkey bars, 
I was like, man, my shoulders just can't even do this. Yeah. And then I tried to do a cartwheel. Yeah. And like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty strong and I'm pretty flexible, right. but I couldn't do either one of those right. things very well. Right. And there's a, so much value in like, for a couple reasons, like just forcing yourself to do those things. Just get up and dance and make your body do things yeah. that like, yeah. like are just a little bit out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. And right. then also I think there's so much like value in like doing things with your body that make you a little bit scared. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. I do this handstand practice. Yeah. It scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm quite certain I'm gonna fall over and land right. on my right. on my back. Right? right. But it gets a little easier all the time, and yeah. that has like made it so. I don't know. I think my body's just I'm like more comfortable in my body, and then I try to do some new movement. Yeah. And I'm just like a little bit more confident. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Absolutely. But it's it's yeah. a it's a lot of it has to do with with like getting comfortable with that that situation where you're pushing yourself a yeah. little bit out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little scared. Right, absolutely. There's a lot of value in that. You know, there's there's a guy I like, um, Ido Portal, you know, and he, he kind of just says improvisation is that's that's what we need, you know. We need improvisation in our life, like all the time. You know, and are you ready right now? You know, he's, he's really intense guy. Are you ready right now, you know, to do it? And, and most of us aren't. We're, we'll, we can wait until the right time, and then we'll do a movement or something that's uh, we planned out. You know, i got 30 minutes, and to, then, I'll, then I'll be able to do that movement, you know. But can we spontaneously um, improvise? And, and there's, there's some freedom into that, in that. Like you say, your body being able to, you being a little more confident that you could do something that's uh, out of your comfort zone. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I, I think a couple more things I want to get yeah. to. Uh, the other cool blog that you wrote, yeah. and I think, you know, this guy's been a hero of yours for a, a lot of years. Yeah. He won a, he won the uh, Nobel Prize for <laughs> literature, right? And you, 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 you uh, equated some study of Zen yeah. with, with uh, with Dylan, yeah. right? Uh, so talk about what you know what your thoughts were in that blog, and uh, and and you know what Dylan has kind of because I think he's kind of a not a central figure in your life, but yeah. like he's he's been somebody like like yeah, I think that you you've uh, like I, when I think of like if you picked a record, yeah, probably, yeah. probably a Dylan record, yeah, right? yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, I just uh, kind of identify as an artist in general. And I, um, I think that Bob Dylan, uh, you know, for me is sort of the, the, uh, the perfect artist in a way. And, um, I really saw some interesting parallels in the way that he talked about his formative time with music and with, um, what was it? Who was it? Buddy. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. And and Lead Belly. Were Lead Belly and all these, yeah. all these folks you know and um there was sort of a transmission for him and i i sort of walk around in that kind of world you know that he sort of transmitted what it meant to be an artist from these uh real geniuses you know do you think that we're all artists in some way i think we're all artists and i mean again this is part of what i'm trying to say if there's you know back to my world you know if you're if there's 50 people sitting in a, a meditation hall everyone is doing it differently Everyone has their own creative uh, juice, their own creative way of working. I just, I totally want to encourage that. 
do you think that when people get to this to really embrace this sort of practice they're going to find their muse they're going to find like they might potentially find something in them that's that maybe they didn't even know was there I think that um, you know that's that's kind of like what I care about you know that's what I believe in is that um, you know that again my language is that we dive into this process and then you know for me it was like I jumped off this cliff and something caught me you know and then it was oh you know the world the universe whatever you want to say the moment all that it's sort of supporting your your you know your your creative um, life and, and so I completely believe that uh, that's the byproduct that's the point of, of you know our own going into our own process and most of us feel like you know at a certain point most of us feel I think that the world is a little bit against us right and we feel like I've got to kind of fight my way through I've got to figure out a way to make a scam or something or get better than everybody at something or whatever and you know I think when we go into their process more and we realize that the universe whatever is on your side then we don't have to do all that anymore you know we're not we're not believing that you know the universe is against us we're we're, we're supported and uh, yeah we find this beautiful uh, way to blossom through it yeah that's pretty beautiful man <laughs> uh, so let's see uh, I think it's probably uh, uh, we've got a lot of good stuff here I think and, uh, I mean I'm, it's pretty inspiring for me uh, so I, I usually ask people this um, you had a you know you had a um, really interesting path in your life and at times there were some some really challenging times yeah. with family and, yeah. and there were challenging times with you know what you were doing with yourself and who you thought you were if you if you could go back you know with the, the whole DeLorean yeah, yeah, yeah. metaphor if you could go back to 18 year old Corey and give him one piece of advice or think about you know your basic 18 year old what would you tell somebody like that to, to make it so that that person didn't have to quite go through the same struggles that a lot of us went through and finding our way yeah I think there's this maybe there's this secret you know secret magical part of us that we all kind of know and and we don't we at a certain point I think we kind of usher that away you know we kind of you know, we put it away and we, we think we've got to do something with our lives that everyone understands. You know, I feel like whatever that is for each person, I think to just keep keep exploring that and keep keep that alive and dive into that and what you love more and more. Whatever it is that that that's moving through you that brings you this joy that doesn't depend on anyone else or anything I think to just just go into that more and more don't let that don't let anybody tell you that that's you know that you don't need to don't need to have that um, and we I think we all kind of know that in a certain way and to just keep going into it yeah I mean I think a lot of people really get to the to the doldrums of their day job and yeah. they yeah. aren't 
love in their personal situation, their yeah. professional situation. Yeah. And that there's a lot of value in some soul searching and, yeah. and, and probably a lot of those people I mean, maybe it's something simple, you know, maybe it's like playing some chess or maybe it's yeah. like what it, whatever it is that, that can can bring you some joy. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be impactful to the whole world or anything like right. that, but there's probably something inside most people. Right. You know, there's a there's a joy. I, I firmly, firmly, like, with all my being, believe that there's, a, there's like, a, this joy that can move through us that, you know, we're always looking for something that's going to bring us joy, right? What are we going to do? And the world is sort of set up so that we, we go, like, sort of reach out and grab something that's going to bring us joy. You know, and, and it's in the whole idea of McCoy tonight. It's, it's not out there, right? But there's something, there's some kind of joy which wants to move through us, wants to express itself. And whatever that is, I don't, I don't know. It's individualistic. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to be brave enough to, um, you know, to be different and to, to explore that, um, it's radical. It's because, because it's like everything else you hear is go the other way. Right. And, and, but, you know, if there's this part of us that's going, oh, I got to go this way. You know, the whole world has gone the other way, maybe. But to go into that, listen to that voice and kind of explore that. And I think we find that, oh, actually, uh, there's this whole beautiful process involved in that. Yeah, I think it's good advice. Everybody can, it might be, there's a little spark inside. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, try to find your spark. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you you didn't know where that was, right? And you went and you went on this, yeah, you know, fantastic voyage. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm proud of how it all came out, man. I mean, I'm glad to be here. This has been a great conversation. Um, it's really, you know, like I think you should. It's fun to do this because it's like, you know, you don't do this with your family even sometimes, right? right? It's right. I mean, like how often do we? Like, we haven't gotten this deep in a lot of years, so it's really been fun to talk about yeah. it. I think people might be interested in reading some of the yeah. some of the stuff that you've written, so, you know, where can they find your blog and stuff like that? Yeah, it's I, my website is my name, CoreyHessBodyTherapy.com. Yeah, we'll put that in the okay. show notes and stuff like cool. that so people can find it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, like, yeah. people should check it out. I think the Dylan thing was cool, the, yeah. the, the non-directed <laughs> body movement. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, I think people will listen to this and and maybe my hope is that yeah. they'll do a little bit of soul searching you know, yeah. that they'll that they'll think about well you know maybe maybe I can find something in myself too yeah. and, and maybe I, I need to stop stop looking externally and yeah. maybe, and maybe yeah. look inside and I think you've given some real good advice okay, on how good. you might do that well, so uh, um, thanks for taking the time. Oh. And, uh, uh, yeah, so we we got to do this podcast in person, which is always a joy. So uh, I think we'll end it with uh, thank with, you uh, a big hug. Thanks, buddy. Love you, love you, my, yeah, big, yeah, my yeah. big brother. Yeah, right on. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today, and uh, um, uh, we'll hope to see you next time.